Untitled Beatles podcast. Well, welcome to the Untitled Beatles podcast. TJ, you look great. How are you? <laughs> I don't look great. <laughs> well, neither do I. Neither of us look great. You look unshaven. I don't think I've ever seen you this unshaven before. Yeah. I uh, when, uh, We're recording on a Wednesday. Wednesdays are when I train to fight days, and I feel like oh. when I'm unshaven, I just kick more ass. Are you, you're in that one of them fight clubs, huh? No, just my uh, home life. Now, oh. you, know, <laughs> you know, Tony, <laughs> I am unshaven. I need to shave tomorrow. And it's also my uh, 30th high school reunion coming up this weekend. So I'm saving oh. the shaving for, because if I shave too much, I look like a <laughs> teenager with little hair. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> small hair. <laughs> I got small hair. Look, a man with small hair does not mean what you think it does, okay? <laughs> um, yeah, so I am on. You've seen me unshaven before. So I don't always. There's like Is that right? Wintertime, okay. I'll show up pretty unshaven for this. And you'll see me unshaven when we take a road trip. Do we have to. Uh, are we teasing our road trip or is it too oh, early yeah. to mention this? No, let's tease that. Let's talk about that. Yes, you and I, TJ, are going to go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame this autumn, and we're bringing our recorder, and we're going to uh, share our experience with you, the Untitled Beatles Podcast listener. If you know of great record stores between the Chicago area and the Cleveland area on the way, let, let us know. I've been uh, doing some research, but we're going to stop at a bunch of record stores and see what we can buy. I'm going to challenge both of us to spend $5,000 on records. Mm. Okay. 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 All right. Yeah. Yeah. Let me, uh, let me shift some things around. No, it's going to be super fun. And uh, I can't wait to go to the, I've been to the rock hall of fame. I was on a trip to see the Cubs play the pirates with my uh, best friend from college lives out there. So I was out there in June and we took a day trip to the rock and roll hall of fame. And, uh, it was amazing. I mean, the the Beatles exhibit's always cool. The prominence changed since I last saw it, but it's super prominent, obviously. But the Get Back exhibit, oh my goodness, the sound of it alone, the speakers everywhere, it'll it'll blow your face off. You're gonna hear something that's gonna kick your balls off. You wild man, wild. Ah! So look forward to that. We've yeah. got a big yeah field trip, road trip coming up, man, and. Uh, yeah, thanks for finding us. This is kind of the the a, a fun little underground Beatles podcast that uh, has a nice, wonderful following. We've got a great community of fans. I have to say, it, it's super. Is fans the right word? I don't know. Sure, we can say that. But uh, f- friends, how about that? F- friends, you know, Tony. Great song. So no one told you that your life would be this way. Clap, 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 clap. Beatlesque. The Rembrandts. Yeah. <laughs> never seen a full episode of that show. I've never seen a full episode of Friends in my life. I mentioned that before. I've never. I, I don't plan yeah. to do it. Can't do it. Yeah, I think I'm with you on that, too. There was never a good time. Well, thanks for finding us. Like and subscribe. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on YouTube, we're on Discord, we're everywhere. We oh, be- TJ. We become ubiquitous. Yes, Tony. You are going to be a guest on an episode of Paul or Nothing coming up. And the Rita Moreno produced One Day at a Time. This is it. <laughs> oh, that's, that is, well, congrats. Let, let's, let's table that for another episode. <laughs> oh, fine. Congrats. But 
you're talking about, I think, to me, the best Paul McCartney album of the the Double O's, 2001's Driving Rain. Yes, I was a guest on the wonderful Paul or Nothing show with Sam Wiles, and uh, we had a ball talking about Driving Rain, which is among my least favorite solo McCartney albums. It's yeah, like, what? it's in the lower third, and uh, first of all, Sam's great. Second of all, it's the only podcast in the world longer than ours. And third of all, <laughs> I felt guilty because I said, you know, I'm not going to do a deep dish. I, I'm a guest on Sam's podcast, and invariably we wound up doing a deep dish on this album, and... <laughs> And I wish you'd been there, Tony, because I know you're a fan of the album. And I think that one day Giles Martin should uh, edit you in and you can do the episode like for the 20th anniversary as if you're part of it. Like an audio hologram. Yes, folks, we are going to tackle 2001's Driving Rain. Yeah, dude. You know what? Fuck it. Let's play it right now. Yeah, Yeah, fuck it, dude. Yeah, I should definitely be a part of the Driving Rain uh, reissue as as a hologram. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I, th- I think it'd be great, Tony, you and Michael Jackson, who stole McCartney's songs mm. 10 years previous or thereabouts. Mm. Listen, here's my point. Listen to it again. Yeah, like there's still some great, great stuff on that album. It's still, but it's a McCartney phase. It's the Heather Mills. It's the dying the hair. It's, it, it's I feel like, Early aughts McCartney, some of my least favorite McCartney, and then he bounced back so beautifully. The albums that followed Memory Almost Full is great. Of course, before that, uh, Chaos and Creation, which is one of my favorites. But yeah, I'm uh, Driving Rain is low on my list. It's there with Speed of Sound. <laughs> I know you rank it high. I rank it a little higher. I, I actually like some of the songs, and I like how it sounds. Driving Rain heralds the beginning of the awkward 2000s phase where McCartney was struggling to find chart success, pop culture relevancy, and quite simply his place in this new world order. So check that out. TJ will be on Paul or Nothing. Find it uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. And the Rita Moreno uh, reboot of One Day at a Time, which has been canceled. We're I tabling think. that. We're tabling that for another episode. I'm Schneider. <laughs> Did you decide what we're watching for movie night? No. It's like there's nothing good on Netflix anymore. <laughs> what about Throb? No, Throb was Saturday night. Do you remember Throb on Channel 5? <laughs> Well, do we do we say who we are? I know it doesn't matter. Yeah, nobody cares. No one cares. No. It is the Untitled Beatles podcast, and today we're going to talk about uh, another American album. We've been going through the American albums. Beatles Six. Be- TJ. Oh, Beatles Vi. It is known as by people who breathe <laughs> with their noses. To get yourself a breathe right strip, son, and call it Beatles B.I. I I think it should be the other way around, but yeah, yeah. You say Beatles V.I. because it's the Roman numeral six, and I say Beatles six because uh, it's the Roman numeral six. Right, but I speak English, and it says V.I. Ain't no Romans in my country. Caesar would likely be as stunned as Charlemagne would be over what we call the airplane, the tank, and of course, 
the toaster. Yeah, I I understand. It's uh, probably 99.9% of the people call it Beatles 6 for whatever reason, because I had this album so young. And here's how I got this album originally. This is the white capital cassette tape pressing that That's I got fun. in the early 80s before they got clear. And still, I mean, it's I don't know how it sounds, but still in good shape. And uh yeah, then I got the album shortly thereafter on the Rainbow Capital. These are all my press. Should we get this yeah, out of let's the way see, real quick? Let's see all your versions of this. Here's the cassette. Here's the eight track of Beatles VI. This is the copy I got at Reckless some years back of the 80s Rainbow label. Okay. So this is one I got fairly recently. This one right Jesus. here. <laughs> you have like four of them. This is one I got after the fact. Ooh. It's the Beatles VI on Apple, but I have a 78 purple capital sleeve just because, you know, I like that stuff. Oh, that's cool. This is the one I had in real time. I got this one in 89 or 90. This is the final vinyl, the purple capital with the uh, manufactured by Capital and the C1 logo. The only one, I believe, with a barcode on the back. So if oh, you find one yeah. of these, right. run and grab it. And the final copy I got some years <laughs> later for the collection is, we ready for this, an original mono Beatles VI. must collect all the records. I've got an original mono Beatles VI, Beatles 6. In fact, it's the only LP I have of this album. I got it at Reckless. It says uh, on the cover, fair, mono, fair, mono, fair, mono. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it is in shitty condition, but I did get it. Does it play through? Because fair sometimes means skips and such. Does it play? Yeah, it plays. It, it plays. It's it's scratchy, but it plays. It's poppy. Okay. And it's marked up. It's There's like tape on. I've got tape all over it. And the a previous owner crossed out three songs and checked five songs. Ooh, maybe either as a fan or as like a college radio programmer. Oh, right. It could be. Yeah. They, they've crossed out Kansas City. I don't want to spoil the party. And Dizzy Miss Lizzie. Weird. And then they've checked eight days a week. You like me too much. Bad boy. What you're doing. And yes, it is. I only like one Larry Williams song designed for the American <laughs> market. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Well, whether you call it Beatles 6 or Beatles VI, this was not the sixth release. This was the seventh Capitol album. Uh, Beatles Story is the one that I guess not even Capitol counted as an album, but that's why they called this Beatles 6. But if you include the VJ albums, what is it? They're like 11th or something insane? I mean, I have it as their ninth because I just include introducing the Beatles as one and I don't count all those other like <laughs> the four seasons race. shit. Okay. You know? <laughs> so this would be their ninth LP because that would be introducing the Beatles and then Hard Day's Night on United Artists. What about Tony Sheridan? <laughs> what about Tony Sheridan? <laughs> yeah, what about him? <laughs> I read something somewhere where he was like autographing things to Beatle fans and he would write instead of like, hey, enjoy this, TJ. Have a good time, Tony. It'd be like, fuck you. <laughs> Signed, sweet Georgia Brown. Why wasn't that a hit? <laughs> It's so I don't know. It might be just a rumor. It's just a rumor. It's just a rumor. <laughs> Tony Sheridan apparently is grumpy Pete Best because Pete Best is happy being depressed and coasting. Tony Sheridan's like, fuck all y'all. It's very funny. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> and he would get into fights on stage and stuff back in the Hamburg days is what I've heard, what I read. 
Yeah, he was he was like Germany's Drago. <laughs> That's a reboot I don't need to see. Speaking of Beatles, IV. <laughs> you will lose. It was released June 14th, 1965, so this is released before the Help soundtrack was released in the United States. It was number 1 on Billboard for 6 weeks that summer. Speaking actually speaking of Beatles IV. The New Zealand version of this, which I think was released maybe two years later, they they goofed it up and they wrote Beatles IV on there. Beatles 4. Shouldn't like Dr. Robert be on IV? <laughs> like like <laughs> yeah. the, the drug song, Lucy <laughs> and the Sky with Diamonds, got to get you into my life. That would be a great name for that, a Beatles drug comp, Beatles IV. <laughs> are you listening, Apple Music? Please don't take our show down if you are. <laughs> and it's interesting because while this was like number one on Billboard, Help, the single was out, and Capital saved Help, knowing it would be on the Help soundtrack. Right. But there's songs from the Help album in England that weren't on the in the film that are on here, as is the B-side to the current single Help. This album is so strange, so people bought this. In real time, the current B-side is on here and not the current A-side. Plus six tracks from Beatles for Sale that hadn't been released in the U.S. yet. And then two tracks that were specifically recorded for the North American market, both uh, Larry Williams songs. One of which that ended up on Help in the U.K. anyway. As the closer. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's in a much more effective spot on this album. Like, I I mean, as we talk about this, I love this record. I love all the Capitol albums, but listening <laughs> to this again, what a fun, fun listen. Because it bounces, it starts with a cover, and then next up's a classic. Not on the tape. Not on the tape. Gentlemen. Gentlemen. Thought you'd be the first to know. We. I'm sure you'd like to be the first to know. Fuck, we got the tapes. We got the tapes. <laughs> <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Yeah, but I, I think this album is a pure joy. Do you want to give more stats and then give your top line thoughts? Give sure, more stats to sure. give, please. I got a couple more stats. You know, since this is yet another U.S. hodgepodge, there could have been other songs on this album, you know, instead of the two songs they actually did record specifically for the North American market. So songs that were not included on this album could have been From Me to You, Misery and There's a Place that were left off the early Beatles. They could have right. put them on this. See, Leapdeek had never been on a <laughs> record Speaking before. Speaking of Tony Sheridan. I must break you. And it turns out that that means a lot. And if you've got trouble, we're also offered to this album. But the U.S. market even said that they weren't up to snuff or something. No, they're not. <laughs> I guess not. Yeah, because they weren't released till 96 or whatever that was. Right. I don't know, man. All right. Well, I'm glad you like this record. It's not my favorite and who cares? <laughs> I, I will say it's, be, you know why? Because it looks to me, it looks it looks like a budget record. It it does look like something. To me, they they slap this thing together, in my opinion. Um, it just says, you know, Beatles 6 slash Beatles VI in uh, bold red lettering. There's I couldn't even find the font on this. But it's a great font. Sure. If you had to guess, is it Zaf Chancery? 
It's Zapf Dingbats, I think. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Here's my report in 1989. It's in Zapf Dingbats. Read it, teacher. <laughs> And it says, uh, the world's most popular foursome, exclamation point, John Paul George Ringo. Ringo Starr. It leads with the tracks that are new to the American market. You like me too much. Tell me what you see. Bad Boy and Dizzy Miss Lizzie, misspelled as Dizzy Miss L-I-Z-Z-I-E. Yeah, Tony, I think that stayed the case through every American pressing. I, I mean, I don't think I've never seen a Beatles. I'm holding the last Beatles VI, that C1 pressing in my hands. And even on that late one, it's still L-I-Z-Z-I-E. So that that's an American mistake that just kind of stayed through the last pressing of this. Interesting. No, it's not interesting. Okay, it's very, very not interesting. It's actually 100% completely the opposite of interesting. All right, I got it's, it, Ross. Yeah, because in the Lewison book, it's all it's spelled uh, with a Y, and I believe that it's originally spelled with a Y as well. You know, and there's just this photo of them smiling to the camera. It looks like three of the Beatles are holding something. We're not sure what it is. The photo is cropped off. <laughs> is it a golf club they're holding? No, no. Some people thought it was a golf club. Some people thought it was maybe a microphone. You know, like this. it's a very thin line that's underneath five of these hands. It ends up, if you see the full picture, it's a cake underneath them. And they You're are holding totally right. a knife. It's a giant, like, crocodile Dundee-sized knife. That's not a knife. That's a knife. Tony, you're totally right, because I remember when I learned what this was, one year Beetle Fan Magazine, for some anniversary, had the full picture, and it, does the cake say happy birthday on it? Oh, I don't know about that. Let me see. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Um, there is a cake. I can't tell. Uh, I, like, I finally saw this full shot in a front cover of Beetle Fan some years ago. Hello, Beetle Fan. We love you. Stop! I can't tell if the cake says anything. I don't have a, a large enough photograph, but there's plenty of pictures of them. This knife, it's pretty big. It looks like a foot and a half long knife, man. Mm. <laughs> Been there. <laughs> By the way, it, it looks like a, th uh, a thin line if you look at it. And, you know, this album cover, the full shot, inspired the Huey Lewis tribute to Vietnam veterans walking on a thin line. You know that so <laughs> i i walked two blocks yeah you for a joke for a song nobody <laughs> remembers or knows that's 50 years old well we got to get our exercise cj <laughs> it's good for my heart doctor said walk more so i walk along blocks for dumb jokes sometimes in my bed at night i curse the dark and i pray for the light so tony back to beatles vi <laughs> Let's flip the cover uh, You flip over the cover And you get some photographs of them There at Studio 2 and Abbey Road EMI they called it back then Ringo on the timpani George playing his Rickenbacker Small, small piling at the piano Paul smiling at the piano And then John Through someone's legs Through someone's legs That's Anne Bancroft This was the original <laughs> picture for The Graduate The Graduate? <laughs> <laughs> I love the Lemonheads. Not a fan of their cover of Mrs. Robinson. Yeah, I'll take the original. But hey, it got him in the buzz bin, TJ. It, so. it totally got him in the buzz bin. It got him on rotation, MTV2. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, and those photographs were uh, supplied by Fabulous Magazine. So thank you, Fabulous Magazine. They are fabulous pictures. Produced by George Martin. You get no liner notes. This is a rush release by Capitol to get fresh product on the market to tie people over until the Help soundtrack was released. And by the way, as you know, the Help soundtrack in the States, one album in a gatefold cover that, like A Hard Day's Night, rotates uh, Beatles songs with Ken Thorne songs from the film. Right. So, you know, this is like the last full Beatles album, full of 11 songs until uh, Rubber Soul. Um, but yeah, the early Beatles was what, March? This is now June. Helps uh, topping the charts in July, the song. Yeah. So, but this is my point, Tony. I'm not confusing Beatles VI slash Beatles 6 with Abbey Road or even <laughs> the U.S. Rubber Soul. By the way, there's no Dave Dexter credit on the back. And for yeah. the most part, except for Yes It Is, these songs are true to the the British stereo and British mono versions. There aren't a lot of like weird Americanizations of these tracks. True, true. And I think that was because it was so rushed. Yeah, they did. Uh, did they do duophonic? Or I, f- I forget. No, they actually did have stereo mixes other than Yes It Is. Yeah, everything on this album was an actual stereo mix except for Yes It Is. And I, when, I, uh, when I first heard Yes It Is on Past Masters in 1988, it, like it was just changed my whole experience around. Oh, totally. Because it, it's, it, went, it, it just opens the song up. I actually prefer it in mono because that tone pedal so- sounds even creepier in mono, but we'll get to Yes It Is when we get to Yes It Is. <laughs> That's called a preview. And now this. Are you tired of Beatles podcasts that go off on ridiculous tangents that have nothing to do with the Beatles? Then you might like the titled Beatles podcast for serious Beatles fans. BJ and Toby give it to you straight, the way the Beatles would have wanted you to listen to podcasts. It's the titled Beatles podcast. The Beatles podcast without all that nicky-nacky. So yeah, uh, I... For a slapdash, money-grabbing album, the songs on this album are unquestionably (laughs) wonderful. Let's go track by track, shall we? Yeah, right? Does that work for you? Uh, Hold a second. I got to take this call. (laughs) Yeah. No, we'll do our Beatle podcast after I'm done fucking placating Tony. Yeah. Can't wait, Mark. Uh, Mr. Lewis, and sorry. Bye. Whoops. (laughs) For the record, I would like to state that you actually did hold up your phone for that bit. You committed to the bit with a prop, with a prop. Yeah, because I don't, I don't get time for fucking object work, Dell. <laughs> okay, let's now do an object work. <clears throat> Jump into the scene, just like the gibberish scene. You start and you communicate with object. Background, jump in. Okay, hold, hold. this isn't a silent movie, guys. It kicks off with a, a rollicking cover. Kansas City slash hey, 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 hey. Well, this was one of the earliest Lieberstoller songs written, written in 1951, originally called Casey Lovin' and recorded by... (laughs) I'm glad you moved on before I could get my KY masterpiece bit in. (laughs) 
I didn't invent the old saying, a labor of love, but it sure does describe the way a lot of us feel about barbecuing. Mm. No, KC loving, not KY oh, okay. loving. KC, <laughs> Kansas City, Kansas City. Right. Uh, little Willie Littlefield had one of the earliest recordings, if not the first recording of the song. I'm going to Kansas City, Kansas City, here I come. I'm going to Kansas City, Kansas City, here I come. They got a crazy way of loving there, and I'm going to get me some. Little Richard covered it two times, once in 1955, which didn't do much. And then in 1958, he redid it and added his hey, 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 self-penned kind of elaboration. This is one of, I think, Paul McCartney's best cover vocals. I mean, he just sang Little Richard stuff with such panache. It's, it's you know, the, the Little Richard songs are what led him to write I'm Down. And, totally. And he does both exceptionally well. Hey, 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 hey. I read somewhere that Paul, yeah, used Little Richard as a starting point for like, I'm going to be Little Richard in this song. You know, he was, it's like when you're acting or something, he just jumped into that role and he does it really well. Uh, Little Richard being a big influence on Paul and uh, Rich Little being a huge influence on Jane Asher. (laughs) Jane Asher, I don't know if you've ever heard her Johnny Carson. It is spot on. This is Johnny Carson. May your daughter's back never see the light of day. And Richie Rich was a big influence on Richard Starkey. <laughs> yeah, that's why he got all those rings. And, uh, <laughs> and that Zephyr Zodiac. <laughs> Ringo Starr, who had changed his name before all of us, and who had a beard and was grown up and was known to have a Zephyr Zodiac, which was a very big car in those days, you know. I mean... Nobody had this. It was knockoff, probably. It was, you know, it fell off the back of a showroom. But, I don't know, Kansas City's not my thing, but I do like Hey, 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 Hey. I'll say that much. 
Well, and the 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 piano playing in the last few uh, "Bye Bye Baby" tags, "Bye Bye 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 So yeah. Long." There's great kind of piano glisses going on. It kind of becomes like a piano rock song. I I love the guitar at the opening of this. I think it's a great. It's a pot boiler. It's a great opening. It's one of my favorite covers actually, okay. because Paul has so much joy imitating Little Richard in his own very Paul way. I can't argue with the enthusiasm displayed in the song. Thanks a lot. So track two is eight days a week in a perfect spot because this had been a hit already. This was released, I think in February of 65 and was already a huge number one hit. Everybody knew the song at the time. So to open with Kansas city, this great Beatles cover, and then to go right into this new song that is a current hit. Although by the time the album came out, Ticket to Ride and Yes It Is were out too. So Yeah. So but this would be a hit. It's still a hit. Yeah, it's it's still a massive hit and it's such a great tune. You know, John, as we've discussed and a lot of Beatle fans know, John kind of shit on the song a little bit when he was going over his compositions with David Sheff. And I think it's cool that Paul resurrected this in concert about 10 years ago mm. and did this live. He opened with it because it's a classic, right? I mean, it's one of their biggest hits. You got to call eight days a week, a, a, a hall of fame Beatles classic, right? Um, I mean, yeah, I was in, so as a number one, you know, I, I remember I liked this song a lot more when I was in junior high, when I was that age, when I was a teenager, I feel that it it has like a sugar crash to it. I think it's a great song. I liked it. I loved it. I wouldn't rank it too high in the world of Beatles song songs, but that's me, man. That's me. That's the beauty of the Beatles is, you know, there there's different songs for different tastes, but the 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 way Ringo kind of swings this, the groove of this, the fade in at the beginning of this. Fade in is cool. That was like, wow, that's you know, <laughs> that was a cool trick. Yeah. It's all anytime you heard on the radio it was always cool because you knew it was like it's getting louder. Maybe you crank it up a little bit at the beginning to kind of make yeah. up for the for the low volume. <laughs> Yeah, man, this to me, it's a joyous, happy windows down Beatles track that has all the energy of the early stuff, but clearly in an era where they've started growing. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. I can't deny the energy on this. Yeah, total windows down summer. It's a fun summer song, even though I guess it came out in February. But yeah, according to Paul's lyrics book, he mentions it in the lyrics book. The title was taken from a conversation he was having with his chauffeur on the way to John's house to write. And this is during that time when, man, this is like Beatles for sale and they're pretty like tapped out. You know, that's why half that record is covered. Had a couple of requests to do a tune called Kansas City, so I'd like to do that. Yeah, he asked the the chauffeur like how he's doing and the chauffeur said he's been working eight days a week. And then Paul's like, like that, went to John's, got the title, you know. And so they they wrote from a title and they built it up from there. This is to me like... It speaks to the, the the working relationship John and Paul had as songwriters. I feel like they were like cranking them out. This is like a work song. And John's house was like their Brill building, you know? Yes. I love the way you just described that. Eight days a week. I love. 
I mean, eight days a week, uh, classic Tony things. Revolution number nine is better. Um, <laughs> next up, uh, uh, hearing you like me too much in the three hole. So George gets a spot right here. You go basically Paul, John, George, which is really nice too. That and is this, nice. I love the electric piano intro. This, I listen to the song just over and over and over again for research for this. Cause it kind of gets buried on side two of help here. Mm-hmm. It's the number three song on the album. And it's a great song being in this spot on the album almost makes it feel like a classic Beatles song. Which it is. It is in a heavy slot. Yeah. Yeah. I, this is a song I quite like. I've, uh, I think it gets overlooked a lot. Um, I've always liked this song. I don't think any other Beatles song really sounds this way, um, especially with that electric piano intro. That's done by John, by the way. And you can actually hear the little tremolo lever getting like clicked off or something. Yes. And Paul's playing the ragtime piano on top of John's yes. uh, electric piano. How many songs have John and Paul almost like doing a piano duo? John and Paul presaged the Elton John Billy Joel tours of the early 2000s. <laughs> Definitely pre-saged, and that's the best way to sage. (laughs) Do it before. I I will tell you, the Elton John, Billy Joel tour, I saw one of them, they wound up hating each other because I I guess Elton called out Billy for, hey, maybe don't be drunk every night when we do Allentown, guy. And I think (laughs) Billy was like, don't tell me how to live. I'm crashing a motorcycle into a wall right now. (laughs) Bring on somebody goes back a long ways with us. Back to the... No? We don't want to bring him on? That's the next song. Okay, well, uh, um, okay, never mind. Then never mind. There might be George Martin on that piano as well. So you might actually get a a trio in there too. Yeah, I've always liked this song. uh, Not mentioned in I Me Mine, George's book from 1980. But I think it's his fourth song that he wrote for the Beatles, counting the one that wasn't included Around Beatles for Sale. You know what to do? Yeah. Yeah. I love the bridge. I think the bridge is my favorite part. And I love how the harmonies then kind of cascade into the verse. That's always been my favorite thing. That if you leave me, now we in go like again. different In a different key. Like it's a weird key thing he's yeah. doing there, Tony. It's so neat. Because you like me too much and I like you. Uh, it begins as it ends. It begins with like almost a staggered ragtimey uh, rhythmic feel of the ending riff. And then it ends with it in the song's tempo. I love this. And the Beatles are great at beginning songs and then ending songs in a similar way. And, you know, there's that weird thing in the mono version, mm. listening to this over and over, where it almost sounds like an intersection of another track during that intro. What is that? 
Do you know what I'm talking about? In the mono version, there's something going on. In the beginning? When? In the very beginning, yeah. Yeah, I've always heard like a rustling kind of a sound in the beginning. It almost sounds like brushes on a snare drum, but I don't know. Yeah, it sounds like another track's fading into it to me. Huh. But ears is different. All you need is ears. It's <laughs> George Martin once wrote. Um, uh, yeah, I'm with you. I love the song. The, this to me, and especially in the slot that it's in, not buried on a much longer 14 track side two, yeah. is uh, it's pretty fucking great. And that intro in stereo, I love too. It's 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 ethereal. Then we get a song that was exclusive to the North American market for about a year or so. Bad boy, Bad boy a Larry Williams tune. Bad boy. Recorded May 10th, 1965, on Larry's 30th birthday. This is where, like, I get on board with this record because it's like you get like a cool different song that has its own vibe. Like, it's almost like it's it's its own Long Tall Sally EP or something, you know? Yeah, man. And it makes it its own album. Bad Boys, not filler or or Past Masters one. Bad Boy is uh, the fourth track on a major million-selling Beatles album in America that in, from 65 until 1988 was not a random past master song that wasn't far after Come Give Me Dinah Hand and See Leap Dick. Yeah. Bad Boy's got prominence on this album. It's canon. It's totally cool, man. Also, it is the only Beatles song to contain the word poop. Barely worries in the till at night, she's a Till at night, she's ready to poop. Yeah. <laughs> Rhymed with hula hoop. Yeah. <laughs> Junior's mother was also taking a lot of laxatives at the time. Outside the door, What was going on with Larry Williams? But, uh... <laughs> Actually, I always quite like the lyrics. One of my favorite lyrics, one of my favorite Beatle lyrics that was not written by the Beatles is uh, get that haircut off your head. Yeah. Love that line. And, you know, I the Larry Williams number is a bit more of a novelty song with the yes. background. He's a bad boy. He wears a teacher till at night. She's ready to poop. He's a bad boy. A rocking in a row. Yeah. yeah, it sounds a little more like the Oak Ridge Boys sing the hits of Larry Williams. <laughs> or, well, I don't know about that, but it. <laughs> it was more like a. Giddy up. Mm, papa, mm, papa, mau, mau. 
Yeah, it's that novelty song thing that like uh, Mad Mike in Pittsburgh would would play that kind of stuff. Mad Mike with a jumbo good time of music on this Sunday afternoon, and we hope to intoxicate you. Mad Mike. <laughs> Well, that's George on double-tracked guitar. Paul overdubs an electric piano. Ringo overdubs a tambourine on there. It's a fun song. It's an exciting song. And it's, it, yeah, I still think it remains an obscurity. Like, this is a song that you don't hear too much. Well, those of us who grew up with a collection of Beatles oldies have known this as an album track for quite some time. I mean, you know, <laughs> That is a fun album. It's, the artwork's so weird. It's like it's like the British take on the rock and roll music cover. Oh, a collection of Beatle oldies. Yeah, yeah. I I like the album artwork. I I I think some people don't care for it. I like it. I think it looks kind of cool. I would have that as a poster. You know, never issued on CD. You would think that with all the anniversaries yeah. and stuff, just for fun, that would come out as a fun CD for the fans. But say la vie, say la vie, man. Well, in another overlooked song, to my ears, I Don't Want to Spoil the Party is the next song. I've always loved this song, man. We've talked about this song. My all caps first note is most underrated Beatles track with a question mark. (laughs) God, this song is great. I think it's the greatest country song. The beauty of John's double tracked vocal during the verses and then Paul joins in for the harmonies for the bridge is... Just astonishing. And Paul's I still love her. All of a sudden, it's a Paul moment. And yeah. then it goes back to a, like, it, it's perfect Beatle harmonies. It's perfect use of double track. It's a great country tune. George's guitar is playing on here. Ringo kicks it into George's guitar solo with just a small little fill that kicks the energy up. I love this tune. I don't want to spoil the party, so I'll go. I would hate my disappointment to show There's nothing for me here So I will disappear If she turns up while I'm gone Please let me know I've had a drink or two and I don't care Yeah, man, I have always liked this song. It was written on tour. In 1964, originally intended for Ringo. I could see this being a Ringo song, but uh, it seems the lyrics ended up being really personal for John, so it ended up kind of becoming more more of his song, you know? And I've always related to this song as just being like a a loner, kind of a weird kid who doesn't like... I didn't go to any school dances. I don't like parties. Like Some of us still go to school dances, guy. (laughs) Yeah, you got one coming up. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be kind of fun. (laughs) How come TJ's in the corner crying, smelling like weed? (laughs) Don't worry about it. (laughs) High school was great. (laughs) I did love high school. I was was a weird guy. I did. I mean, I, I fucking hated it and was thrown it ended, but I look back with great memories because it was a small school. I still keep in touch with a lot of the people. So yeah. my, mine wasn't a nightmare. I'll put it that way. Mine wasn't a nightmare, but I, I don't have fond memories of the school. Also because we had no windows in my school, so it was just like garbage. But I have good memories of my friends back then. That's what that's. I look back on those times fondly. Uh, yeah, I had friends and I had freedom. So I... Uh, my life wasn't about that school. Friends, faith, and freedom. I've seen your shirt. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, we both we both love this song. We both love this song, and it is this to me is obscure. Like Bad Boys, obscure but more niche. This song should be heard by every Beatle fan. Yeah, never performed live either. Never performed live. Yeah, never performed live. Um, it'd be fun if Paul maybe tried this out. Yeah, that would be fun. Yeah, that maybe would be fun. give it to Abe. It was originally written for Ringo. <laughs> Well, side one closes with a Buddy Holly cover. We were talking about how Little Richard was kind of Paul's model for his rock persona, and Buddy Holly was definitely John's. Hold me close and tell me how you feel. Tell me love is real. Mm-hmm. Words of love you. Uh, this song to me, they always sounded a little medicated, you know, <laughs> it's like they had some Dramamine on this song. It's not my favorite cover. Uh, I prefer Mr. Moonlight to Words of Love, by the way. I've never, I've never loved this one. I feel like the close harmonies are cool. And they do the weird, like, darling, I love you. They do kind of, they oh, yeah. make it beetle trippy. Like, there's yeah. enough cool ornamentation that's rooted in, in beetling to make it interesting. But I feel like it's drab. The guitar part just goes around in circles, not to be confused with Georgia song circles <laughs> or the maudlin cover on Gun Trapo. <laughs> But yeah, I've never loved this song. This song to me is on my very low on my list of Beatles songs. Yeah, I I don't rank it very high. In fact, it was the last song that they tackled on that marathon eight song session, October eighteenth, nineteen sixty four. So I feel like they do sound a little tired here. Um, George overdubbed a twelve string. Ringo plays a packing case, a suitcase. And apparently, according to Jeff Emmerich, the three part harmonies were recorded around one microphone. It sounds like it. And I agree with you. I like that. That uh, tell me how you feel. Ah. Yeah. Like there's almost like a Doppler effect going on there. Tell me how you feel. Tell me love is real. Let's flip the record. Side two, man, starts off with uh, a song written in Atlantic City uh, during the tour of 1964. At the Lafayette Motor Inn. (laughs) So you can visit the Lafayette Motor Inn in Atlantic City and see where What You're Doing was written. Is that still around, you think? You think they have tours of... They should. Hey, come to the room where that fucking Beatle track not enough people know was written. You know, the one where Ringo's playing the Be My Baby beat. That fucking one. Paul describes the song as filler, 
but it took three recording sessions to get it done right. So they were messing around with it. There's some first version that could have been on Anthology 1 that offers a slightly different arrangement with a big gap in there and stuff. You got me running And there's no fun in it Not when it seems so much To ask of you what you're doing to me I've been waiting here for you Wondering what you're gonna do should you need a love that's true It's me Please stop your lying Maybe we'll see that, you know, now that they're tearing everything apart with this new uh, Peter Jackson track separation technology, maybe we'll get to hear that on a Beatles for Sale Redux Super Deluxe thing. Yeah, in 2064. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, man, whenever it happens, you know, it's going to happen. They're going to unfreeze Walt Disney in honor of it. That's what they'll do for the Beatles for sale reissue. Um, Tony, this is another favorite of mine. I love the use of percussion in this. I mean, even though it's not a timpani, it's that it's the uh, uh, the kick drum Ringo's doing the be my baby kind of thing. It kind of presages what you're going to hear a little bit later on every little thing. Percussion is really integral to both of those songs. Yeah, I love this one. That's George Martin playing piano and under under George Harrison's guitar solo George Martin's doing kind of those triplets and he's it's really a neat underrated George Martin contribution this is a favorite song of mine I know Paul thought it was a throwaway or filler I love it this is on a TJ favorites list every time what you do And it is a cool drum pattern at the beginning. Yeah, definitely derivative of Be My Baby and their love for girl groups. But I like how it's recorded. It's like drier. Like the drums sound more dry is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, it's not specterized. Exactly. Yeah. So it's cool to hear it that way. They sound more like ACDC. One of the things I love in this, a favorite Beatle moment, is Paul's bass figure before they go back into the figure that ends the song. Paul goes... just a neat neat moment that it's not boring it's not nothing it's purposeful simplicity that is a cool moment for sure yeah it feels like you're hanging out with them in the studio or something like yeah. that yeah love it if you Then we get to, yeah, another reason why I think this album works uh, is because it includes things like this, the B-side to Ticket to Ride. Yes, it is. A gem. I call it a gem, TJ. Yeah, it's a great song. A, a, a current hit. I mean, it's the B-side to Ticket to Ride, which was released in April of that year, the date of my birthday, April 19th. 
And yeah, it's a great song, Tony. And unlike Words of Love, the uh, the way I feel about that, I love the weird close harmonies in Yes It Is. They almost feel off, but it doesn't feel like they're off key. It feels like dissonant on purpose. Yeah, they're unusual because, yeah, they they go up and they go down. They're unpredictable. I would remember all the things we planned. Understand it's true. It sounds like George might be slightly off in the beginning, like at the end of the first verse. He on um, tonight, he might be a little off. Tonight. George actually thought this should have been the A side. George Harrison, that is. And Cynthia said it was her favorite track, her favorite Beatles track so far at the time. Yeah, what would happen with their marriage? You know, I know. I don't know. I never read. Never I only. I only read the first couple chapters of the Hunter Davies thing. <laughs> all you need. Um, yeah, I love this, and this is the one track on the album that differs sonically from its British counterpart. Where stereo, uh, yes, yes, it is, um, and mono. Uh, I, it's a because I believe it's a fold down. It's a duophonic mono, uh, duophonic mix of the mono. Correct. Correct. The first stereo mix of the song ever was released in 1986 on a promotional cassette for Heineken beer in the UK. Yeah, that's super hard to find. <laughs> that's really, I've looked. It's a hard one to find. You want that cassette, that Heineken cassette. Yeah. And then later they used the, like you were saying earlier on the Past Masters is when most of us finally heard a, a true stereo version of this song. Yeah. Uh, in 1980, John said, that's me trying a rewrite of this boy, but it didn't quite work. I disagree. Yeah. I think a lot of people might say this is better than this boy. I don't know. What do you think? I'm in that camp. Yeah? I think it's better because I think it's weirder. I think the yeah. close harmonies make it weirder. I think that tone pedal makes it weirder. Yeah, the tone pedal is the is totally the thing for me. There's a disparity here that um, there's a tone pedal on the 09 remasters, and this is thanks to which Beatles site helped me. The Beatles Rarity, I believe, is the site where they did a great job breaking down the reissues with the originals for the American albums. And according to Beatles Rarity here, on the real stereo mix from the 09 remasters, you hear a tone pedal under the word if on If I Could Forget Her, mm. and that tone pedal's not there on the fake uh, stereo duophonic version. Yes, it is. I could be happy with you by my side If I could forget her But it's my pride Yes, it is, yes, it is Oh, yes, it is Yeah And when you say tone pedal, TJ, uh, I'm calling that a volume pedal because it's it's affecting the volume. That's why the, the guitar fades in and out. Go ahead. Okay. One, two, three, bread. Oh, sorry, I went wrong. Fourteen. Yeah, I, I, I love this song, too. And again, it's not stuck on past masters. This song's canon on a million-selling American Beatles release. How fun is that? Pretty fun, if you ask me, man. I think it's more fun than what's supposed to be the more fun song, Dizzy Miss Lizzy. Uh, this is, again, on Larry Williams' night. To me, I think the live versions are better. They sound they sound tired. You made me dizzy, Miss Lizzy. When you 
think they sound tired here. And you know who else thought they sounded tired? Man, apparently there's an outtake where George Martin, I think it maybe it was after take one, he says, like, it wasn't exciting enough, to which John replies, bloody hell. <laughs> that explains it. That's why he's got those kind of, the screams in this are almost forced. I think they were. I think George yeah. Martin forced those because, yeah. you know, he, we know what the Beatles can do. We've heard the Star Club tapes and we've heard Long Tall Sally. We've heard what they can do. Roll Over Beethoven, like all those exciting songs. This to me should have been one of those exciting songs. To me, it kind of lags in tempo. Yeah, and I love that it's not the closer of this album because it's it's a little weird as the closer of the help record. Feels out of place, don't you think? The established one, it does feel out of place a bit. Um, but yeah, it's a better spot. It doesn't have the weight of closing the record here. And I this is one that I always want to hear in mono. After I first heard this in mono, I only wanted to hear it in mono. Also on the Help album uh, that was yet to be released, Americans got an early glimpse of Tell Me What You See. If you let me take your heart, I will prove to you We will never be apart if I'm part of you Open up your eyes now, tell me what you see it is no surprise now What you see is me uh, We talked about this. I think this made my Beatle Bottoms uh, list. Not not my favorite. Dick Lister... Dick Lester didn't care for Dick it either. Dick Lister. Dick Lister. <laughs> You're a real Dick Lister. <laughs> Dude, Beatle Sniffers, Beatle Kooks, and Beatle Dick Listers. <laughs> well, to me, it's telling that Paul did not include this song in his lyrics book, uh, he said it's not awfully memorable. That's what he's had to say about this song. I love the piano riff in this that comes after the choruses, I think, helps save it. The electric piano riff totally. really saves it. That is definitely, yeah, that is my favorite part of this song. I mean, it's, it's, it has cool things, Beatle things going on. Uh, George just plays like Latin percussion on this, a, a, a wiro. And some claves. Yeah, it's fucking appropriation. And I've canceled this <laughs> song. <laughs> there you go. He gone. He gone. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah, man. Uh, I I do like this. I mean, those aren't castanets, right? Well, what did you call them? Claves. It's claves. those two like wood blocks. Keith Moon plays them on Magic Bus. Right. Those things. Yeah. I want it. I want it. I want it. Can't have it. One thing I noticed comparing the pressings here is when I was pressing to play the uh, over the intro, which sounds like if they're saying, if you let me twice, what they're kind of singing it on the original capital mix, it's more prominent in stereo than on the 09 remaster. It's a small difference, but I think like the original capital stereo is replicated in the 2006 capital albums box set. Interesting. If you listen closely, you kind of hear they're going, if you let me, if you let me, and then it comes in with the uh, John actually singing the main vocal. 
It's cool. If you let me take your heart, I will prove to you. Beetle sniffer alert. <laughs> <laughs> now that, no, that's not sniffer. That's just like cool fan listening for details. I think sniffers are when they you cross the line into like their personal lives and start wanting to like smell their sweat and, you know, pinch a, a, a pubic hair off a toilet seat. Like that's a that's a beetle sniffer oh, to me. Pinch a loaf in a beetle toilet, <laughs> dude. I did that beetle tour in Liverpool just to take poops in their old homes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean we got really gross there, but that's okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, the album closes with uh, a peculiar song to close with, I think. It works, but it's 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 an odd choice, I think. Every little thing. This was either written at the Motor Inn in Atlantic City or at the Asher home. There's been some discussion about that. Uh, started as a single. I think Paul had some ideas that this could be like the next single around the I Feel Fine time. But uh, then I Feel Fine was written and that did the trick. Yeah, not enough feedback in this one. <laughs> So John and George switch places on this, meaning George plays the acoustic rhythm and John's on the 12-string Rickenbacker playing lead. Every little thing she does, she does for me, yeah. And you know the thing she does, she does for me, And it's John's playing is so good. He's almost a hair behind the beat rhythmically. And that little kind of in the solo part. This is another one of my favorite songs. The use of the timpani in this. I love. I've always loved this. Totally. And I love I do love how it ends the album, Tony, because it ends with them fading out, singing every little thing over the riff. The album ends with that. And it almost feels to this point, whether it's VI or six, as their six official capital album, fuck you, Beatles story. It feels <laughs> like now on Capitol, you have every little thing. <laughs> I, I, wish, I wish I was doing a bit. I'm serious and emotional. You know, we don't have fade outs in music as much as we used to, but there's something about it that works. It's like, oh, there they go. They're off onto their next thing. I guess we'll catch them next uh, in a month or two with uh, the help record. Yeah. In theory, we weren't alive for this stuff. But uh, when you, yeah, when you had Beatles VI slash six. Gotcha. I know. It worked. God damn it. Uh, You had it on cassette first as a kid. Like, do you remember how it, played into your chronological discography of getting into the Beatles? As a kid, it was just fun to have. And it's funny, this is on the beginning of side two. The last time I played this, I don't know when, but I remember loving hearing eight days a week, which here's at the very beginning of the side. So you've got it. If you just want to hear it, you rewind to the beginning of side two. I almost made this a single before there was such a thing. That's so funny. But yeah, it wasn't till like the version of this I really loved 
was the album I got, that Purple Capital one, when I was in middle school, because I didn't have it. So the one that was in stores at the time was The Last Pressing from 1988. And by the way, sounds, I know I say this every fucking time, the one with the barcode and the C1 catalog number, Tony, it almost sounds like you're listening to a CD. It's a pristine copy of it. I might actually make it a dub of this to use for the episode because it sounds oh, so nice. That would be rad. It's 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 really neat. Um but yeah, uh, so in terms of my discography, I don't remember exactly how it fit in. I just remember loving it like a classic record and always to this day thinking of things like Bad Boy and Yes It Is as album tracks. Yeah. Because they were for me. I, well, what about you? Yeah, I didn't get this one uh, till till later, really. Um, I think because by the time I'd already had the UK versions of this, I'd already had Beatles for Sale and Help. And past masters right. and all that, so I didn't really need this record, but I saw it at Reckless in mono, and I picked it up like in my twenties at some point for cheap. Yeah, I I didn't listen to it all that much, but like you were saying to me, like Bad Boy and Yes It Is, shake this record out of being just a retread of Beatles for Sale for American lunkheads, you know? Yeah, I think it it gives this record a little more personality, and it contains. Uh, you Like Me Too Much, which is one of my favorite early George Harrison songs, if not my favorite early George Harrison song. Well, and it's such a great song. And think what's going on at the time in the charts. So the Beatles, when this is coming out, have released Eight Days a Week, and I don't want to spoil the party. Uh, Ticket to Ride is already a single. The Help single's forthcoming. So the last full Capital Beatle album you have was the early Beatles. What a huge jump to hear songs like Yes It Is on the next Capital album. There's a lot of adventurous stuff going on in here. I don't want to spoil the party. Like, uh, I mean, sure, there's some, uh, a lot of Beatles 65 has like the opening triptych of Beatles for Sale. So we have heard the dour kind of exhausted Beatles, but here it's kind of combined with other stuff and looking ahead to help and looking back at Beatles for Sale, it's just a great, weird novelty Beatles album that isn't marred by Dave Dexter and Capital Engineer insanity. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Well, uh, stream it wherever you can. It's called Beatles 6, also known as Beatles VI. By the cool kids. Right. Because Rocky, I mean, I don't call Rocky 2 Rocky 2. II. I call it Rocky II because that's the one where he joined the Navy. And the village people came out before he fought uh, in the Navy there. And <laughs> My name is Rocky Balboa. I'm the American dream. Wait a minute. Uh, do you have any last thoughts? I see you're holding an 8-track there, TJ. Yes, I wanted to double confirm this because I don't know if I, this was not an 8-track I owned. It's one I bought. I went on a weird early 2000s <laughs> eBay was new, buy the 8-tracks I didn't have as a kid, and uh, not going to get that money back. Beatles VI has I'm a Loser at the End of Program 1. There you go. Bonus track. Bonus track. <laughs> I'm a Loser. Beatles VI. So Beatles VII. Ay-yi-yi. So, Tony, there's this great episode I mean, of Rita Moreno's reboot of One Day at a Time. No, we're, sh we're shelving that. I'd like to thank our producer, Casey Baker, for editing out all this One Day at a Time talk. I don't think that show should have been made. This is it. This is it. This is life. The one you get to go on. I want to live in America. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> Untitled Beatles podcast.
Like and subscribe. Don't do it Take 11. Don't do it when we're singing. Don't do it while One, you're playing. Two, three, four. Look what you're doing. I'm feeling blue and lonely. Would it be too much to ask of you what you're doing to me? You got me running And there's no fun in it Not when it seems so much To ask of you What you're doing to me I've been waiting here for you Wondering what you're gonna do And should you need a love that's true It's me Should it be so much to ask of you what you're doing to me? Look what you're doing. I'm feeling blue and lonely. Would it be too much to ask of you what you're doing? To me, what you're doing to me, what you're doing to me.